Amen. Thank you. Thank you for leading us in worship. And uh, especially on today, I mean, this is a significant day for a lot of us. Sort of the, the narrative that runs the day right now is Mother's Day, and I appreciate Ben mentioning in our prayers uh, together, not only the moms among us, but uh, moms-to-be or people who want to be moms or people who for Mother's Day brings up uh, all kinds of different emotions, maybe joy and thankfulness and celebration, maybe pain and distance and loss and grief. And so we just, we bring all of that together, even in moments like this when we come together to worship. And uh, since, since it is Mother's Day and that does sort of dominate the, the narrative right now in our culture, I want to just say a happy Mother's Day to all the moms who are in the room. And uh, I hope you've taken the opportunity to wish somebody happy Mother's Day. If there's a mother or mother figure in your life and you got the opportunity to do that, I hope that you've done it. Uh, we'll give them all a shout out in here right now, okay? So um, here's what we'll do. On the count of three, just shout out, if you will, the name of the best mom you know. And, and I realize if you're in here with your wife and your mom, guys, that's going to be a real put you in a pinch. That's not my problem, that's yours, but, uh, or if you're with them online. But I'm not kidding, on the, on the count of three, just uh, shout out the name of the best mom you know, okay? All right, you good? One, two, three. Elephants, yes. I'm not kidding. They, they are like probably the best moms on the planet. I don't know how much you know about that. And by the way, there's three little elephant statuettes up here. Um, my son bought these for me at a yard sale. I don't know if you've ever taken children to a yard sale, but uh, it's much cheaper than taking them to Target. And <laughs> the stuff you get is about as meaningful and lasts just about as long. But, um, but my kids over the years have taken to uh, yard sales as a way to decorate my office. So I've got a few things in my office that my kids have bought me at yard sales. And uh, one particular yard sale, my son went around, looked at everything, and we told him, you know, they could get something, whatever they wanted. And he went around, looked at everything. He came back with these three elephant statues that he had collected off different people's tables. And, I mean, no meaning to us. We, I don't know that we'd ever even had a conversation about elephants, but he bought them. He wanted them. And then he gave them to me to put in my office. Again, no conversation about elephants. We've never had it. We've never talked. It's never even been a thing since. He just saw the elephants, and I guess he strung them together and thought, well, there's three. That'd be... So I've got them. I have these in my, on a shelf in my office, these elephants. But, um, but I don't know if you know, but I, I do think elephants probably are the best moms on the planet. And, and for lots of different reasons. I mean, not the least of which is that there's, you can see them always using their trunks to hug and give kisses to their babies and to each other. It's adorable if you ever watch an elephant do that. Uh, also, did you know that elephants carry their young when they're pregnant? They carry their young for almost two years before they give birth, the longest of any mammal. So anybody who's given birth in here, just think about that for a minute. Two years they carry their young. Um, elephants also... When they are uh, feeding their young, when they're nursing, they, they change their milk about four times. In other words, they change their diet to change their milk to give their young what they need. Like, for instance, when uh, they change their diet to start eating plants that have more anti-inflammatory properties when their young start teething. They just know by nature to do this. Can you imagine what it's like for an elephant to teeth? 
they also live in a matriarchal society. So it's, it's the moms, it's the women who run the community. And they take it upon themselves to lead the herd and also to raise the young collectively. They do it all together. You don't just raise your own, but you literally have a a herd full of moms, grandmoms, aunts, cousins, sisters. They, They raise the young collectively. And it's the matriarchs, the mothers, particularly the largest and oldest ones that have the longest memories who can guide the herd to where there is water in times of drought. And, I don't know, maybe most fascinating to me, when they have one of their herd who dies, or particularly if it's a young calf or young elephant, they'll bury, in a sense, They're dead. They'll cover the body with leaves and branches. And then even as they move on, periodically they'll come back to the site of where that, that dead calf was buried to grieve and mourn because they remember and they maintain those bonds and those connections. And if, if an adult is killed, an adult female who's responsible or who's raising young, the, the rest of the herd will adopt that orphaned calf and together raise it as their own. They're just, to me, fascinating maternal creatures, the elephants. And again, I have these three in my office. No connection of any depth at all to that other than my son bought them for me. And uh, it's, but I think they're cool. And I think they're great examples of moms. And if you'll allow me, I think there's another great example in the scripture of a mom conversation that is had between Jesus and one of his disciples. And I'm going to read it for us in just a minute. And it comes on the heels of the passage that we read last week, which was the story of the disciples pulling in this miraculous catch of fish when they threw their nets off the other side of the boat as instructed by Jesus. And if you were in here in the room, you got one or more Swedish fish as a reminder of that experience. And hopefully you got to enjoy that uh, little tasty treat, just like they had brought their fish up onto the shore to have breakfast with Jesus. Well, this conversation that I'm about to read happens between Jesus and one of the disciples, Peter, on that beach right after they had had the breakfast of that miraculous catch of fish. And so I'm going to read for us John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. We're going to put it up on the screen so you can follow along with us, whether you're in the room or online. And after I finish reading it, I'll say, this is the word of God for the people of God. And you respond, please. Thanks be to God. There's a way for us to affirm this as a scripture for us today, okay? And this is what it says. When they finished eating, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus asked him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
And Simon replied, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, Take care of my sheep. He asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was sad that Jesus asked him a third time, Do you love me? And he replied, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. So if I think this is a really good picture of a mother conversation with a child or a teenager, with Jesus as the mom and Peter as the child. And, and I think it's a good example of a mom kind of conversation for a few reasons. First of all, Jesus has the impression or thinks or believes that he's got to ask this question of Peter three times. Over and over. Any moms in the room? And, and the nature of the question is, do you even love me? It's sort of the way it comes across to Peter. Again, any moms or parents in the rooms or anybody who's had the responsibility of raising somebody had those moments where you thought, do they even love me? And, and Peter, over and over again, is saying, yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. And then gets to the point, it says, where Peter is like upset by how many times that Jesus is asking this question, do you love me? He's like, Jesus, you know I love you. And Jesus is like, well, if you love me, then listen to me and do what I'm asking you to do. Am I the only one that hears in this a mother-child conversation? At least those are the conversations I feel like I had with my mom. And even the nature of the questions themselves, to, to me, just are very maternal. Not just the question, but then the instruction that Jesus gives to Peter. Because he, he basically says to him over and over again, feed my sheep or my lambs and take care of them. Which at its very core is, I think, sort of the, the, the basic things that a mother or mother figure does for a child is nourish them and tend to them, protect them, care for them. And yes, Jesus asked Peter this question over and over and over. And, and there's speculation as to why that is, why Jesus felt the need to do this, or what was his point in asking Peter this question three times, and, and subtly different each time. So, I mean, you know, some of the theologians and, and Bible commentators over history have pointed out that it, it sort of mirrors what happens just a couple of days earlier 
when Jesus is arrested and taken to be put on trial and Peter is following along beside him and three times Peter is asked, are you one of Jesus' disciples? And three times Peter says, no. So there's a sense in which maybe this threefold reaffirmation by Peter that he loves Jesus is in a sense restoring him from the threefold denial that he had experienced just a couple of days earlier. And, and even in that denial, if you go back and read it, the first time, you, you can sort of see a progression. The first time Peter is standing outside the place where Jesus is to be put on trial, and, and it's in the middle of the night, and there's people out there warming themselves by a fire, and Peter's out there having followed Jesus but come this far, and then Jesus has gone inside, and Peter wasn't allowed. And just a random woman that he doesn't know asks him, aren't you one of his disciples? And, and he said, no, 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 not me. And then it says a little bit later in the night, it, he is at the fire with some of the guards who potentially were part of the group that had gone to get Jesus and arrest him. And as one of the guards said, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? And Peter's like, no, not me. And then the, the third time, there's someone there in, next to Peter who, is, it says in the scripture, was a relative of the person who ear Peter had cut off when they had come to arrest Jesus, who was actually there on the scene when Jesus was arrested and Peter was there and said, didn't I see you there? Aren't you the one? And Peter's like, no way. Mm -mm, not me. It's like every time it got a, a little bit closer to Peter being known and acknowledged as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower of him, Peter said, no, no, no. And some people have read that to be Peter's denial of Jesus. It, it may be better understood as Peter's denial of his own place as a disciple of Jesus, who he was really created and called to be. That over and over again, he had denied his identity as a follower of Jesus. But then here on the shore at breakfast, after Jesus gives Peter the opportunity again and again and again to affirm his faith in Jesus, to reclaim his place as a follower of Christ. And he does so over and over and over again. And Jesus tells him, then take care of my sheep, feed my sheep, nourish them, tend to them, which calls to mind the identity of Jesus as the good shepherd who came to care for all of his sheep. And Peter, as the rock, the one upon whom God would build his church, and in this moment, Jesus is sort of handing to Peter this shepherding ministry, this ministry of nurture and care for all of God's creation, for all of God's children, for all of God's people. Which may be another aspect to this conversation, and the reason that Jesus repeats the question three times is because he's saying to Peter, essentially, this matters. This is important. Again, how many conversations have moms had with their kids or kids have had with their moms where it's repeated over and over and over? Why? So that you get it. So that you understand that it matters. It's important. And in this moment, it mattered to Jesus. And he wanted to make sure that it mattered to Peter. 
that Jesus was saying to Peter as a follower of his, as a disciple of his, and now with the benefit of history, we see that Jesus was leaving, ascending to heaven soon, and would be leaving this ministry in Peter's hands, and by extension in the hands of all of God's children, all of Jesus' followers, Jesus' disciples, siblings in the faith, in your hands and in mine. This ministry of nourishment, nurturing, and care of all of God's children. That Jesus was saying to Peter, this matters. It's important. And, and possibly also just sort of in that moment, plumbing the depths of Peter's faith. And his identity as a child of God and as a shepherd in the kingdom of God. And so this mothering conversation that Jesus is having with Peter is not only about Peter's own life and faith and that it matters, but then also Peter's place in the life and faith of the people around him, of the sheep, of the good shepherd. It's like the elephant. I mean, that... Jesus is telling Peter, you are all my sheep and you all have this ministry for each other and with each other. Not unlike the the mothers in the herd of an elephant to nurture and care for one another, to help nourish each other's faith. And so if we could for a moment see ourselves there. See ourselves as disciples of Jesus having this conversation with him. Hear Jesus calling us to nourish, to feed, to care for, and tend to one another to our faith and each other's faith? Could we see ourselves as elephants in the herd in Shambly? Not just in the church either. I mean, if, this, if the church is the family, then our community is our herd. And Jesus is calling us all to identify with this maternal instinct. To care for and nurture each other. And so that's what we do here. Uh, In in just a little bit, we're going to have the opportunity to give an offering. And today we're going to take up a a special, a second offering. If you want to give it, you can give it here or you can give it directly to Wesley Woods. That's a ministry of our church that provides, helps provide housing for seniors. uh, Affordable places to live. And... So we as United Methodists all around the metro Atlanta area and beyond. And so we give to make this happen. 
And so today is, is a special day that we'll take up an offering just for Wesley Woods, a Mother's Day offering. So when we give the offering, if you want to do that, if you want to bring something and put it in the basket for that, there's envelopes in the pew and you could just make a note on it that that's what it's for, the Mother's Day offering or there's ways that you can go directly and give to Wesley Woods. But see, this is just a way that we care for our own, that we care for each other. And it, as we participate in this life of faith and we live in this community of faith, we join Peter in that place of hearing Jesus say to us, this matters. This is important. As we grow, as we mature, I mean, we can hear in this conversation the maturation of Peter's faith, that as we grow and we mature, we come to understand that this is important. Our faith is important. And the nurturing of our faith is important. And the nurturing of each other's faith is important. Caring for one another matters. And so we come to know the church, the community of the faith is the place where we can come to be nourished and help be a part of nourishing others. And the place where we can be cared for. And where we can care for others. And so we hear Jesus calling Peter and calling us to feed his lambs, to tend to his sheep, to, to be elephants with each other. This is actually the end of the story uh, in, in John, in the book of John. There's only a few more verses before the story is over. And in fact, those last few verses, Jesus tells Peter a little bit about what's to come. He warns him that he's going to die. And in fact, that he'll die for his faith. Essentially, this, this faith is going to go with you, it's going to take you, it's going to move you through life. It's not just going to be a hobby or an interest or something you do on Sunday. It's going to be a part of how you live, this nurturing and caring for all of God's sheep. And it's going to take you all the way to your last breath. And even warning Peter that his death is going to be because of his faith and painful even. And then the last thing that John writes after that, that's so cool. The, the last sentence in this gospel, he says, Jesus did so many more things than this. More things that if they were written down, more things than the world could even hold. And I thought, he's still doing them. Right? We're still writing this story. We're still writing the gospel of Jesus Christ as we live out this faith, as we take this calling that Jesus gave to Peter and we hear it for ourselves, as we participate in the life of the church, as we participate in the nourishing and the nurturing of one another and of the people around us, we continue to tell this story. As we are the mothers and the aunts, and the sisters, and the grandmothers, and the cousins for one another, nurturing and nourishing each other in our faith as we go, and all to the glory of God.
May you be an elephant for Jesus today. Thank you. I want to ask you if we can make that our prayer together. And I mentioned that we're going to have a time to give an offering. We'll do that after we pray, and we'll pray God's blessing for our offering right now as well. In a moment of reflection and prayer, can we just gather with the disciple, Peter, on the beach at breakfast with Jesus and hear Jesus' call to be a part of this community of nourishment and care. Faith together. As we live in this herd of elephants together. Oh God, We are thankful today for the life, death, resurrection, the teachings and miracles of your Son, our Savior Jesus, who has done and is doing more than can be recorded, more than can even be seen or understood, but is happening in us and among us even right now. God, we are thankful for the humbling invitation to be a part of that, to be a part of the work of Jesus, to feed his sheep, to care for his sheep. God, would you stir within us that instinct, that maternal instinct that connects to that calling? That we would be that with each other and for each other. And not just those of us who gather inside these walls on Sundays. But that we would be that for all in our herd. And that as we do that, as we live that out, as we express that, as we experience that, as we share that. We would know your healing and your restoration for us. And for our world, that your kingdom would come. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.